Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast by Worthy. I'm Jennifer Butler, and I'm your host. Get ready to have some fun today. If you're one of the millions of women dating and searching for love in the present day, then you're going to want to tune into this episode. Most of us can relate to some of the frustrations and challenges of dating. Navigating online profiles, being ghosted, facing too many options, people not being honest with who they are or what they look like, just to name a few. And here's the thing, we all have a choice. We can let this get us down or we can embrace it and find ways to be creative and make the process fun. Our guest today, Anne Couple-Lanane, is on a mission to find a better way to connect as women and single people in New York City and other major cities around the world. After marketing her high-end properties in New York City theaters and cabs for years, Anne decided to take her search for love to the streets of Manhattan in a hysterical takeoff of her Annie Gets It Done taxi ad that has gone viral and so far has been seen by over 10 million people worldwide. Divorced for 15 years, Anne is the proud mother of two college-aged daughters, is one of the top real estate brokers in the city, this year's REBNY Broker of the Year, and also recently founded Wise and Wonderful Women, a group where she offers free informative and inspirational dinners and events in order to facilitate the ability for women to meet, develop friendships, and support one another. Thank you so much, Anne, for being here today. We're so happy to have you with us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I, you know, I started this out saying, you know, this is going to be a ton of fun. So I am really looking forward to just, you know, having some fun together and just sharing, you know, you and what you've done and just your spirit with our worthy community. <laughs> so the insanity. This has been quite an adventure. I mean, really just just an awesome ride so far. And it's going to be interesting to see what ultimately happens. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about you and, you know, the inspiration for the A Man for Anne's Axiad. So the inspiration. So I, I have been a divorced mom for probably about 15 years. And I raised two girls that are now uh, 18 and 19. And my baby, I just dropped off at uh, at college. Mm. So I knew that the, the empty nest was looming. Um, and, you know, working a very intense job. I'm one of the top real estate brokers in New York City and raising two girls. And, you know, teenagers have a different energy that you have to kind of give, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost more labor or emotionally labor intensive yeah. uh, when they get a little bit older and you just kind of have to be around in a different way. So I just didn't really have the time or the really the right headspace to really give a relationship. I think what it really does need mm-hmm. to be successful. And obviously over the last 15 years I've dated, I've had relationships, but I really do want to find my soulmate at this point in time. So I thought, you know what, I've got to, I've got to think differently about how I might make this happen. And you certainly did. I love it. And I can totally <laughs> relate to what you're saying. Cause I have a 12 year old now and I'm starting to see exactly what you're saying about you're there in a different way. And it is in some ways, this emotional pull that I just, you didn't feel before. 
Uh, so I can only imagine, you know, where it's going to go. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, it, it, it's different. It's it's like with, with children, with, with kids, with teenagers of that age, they want you around, but they have no interest in you. Right. right? So, so they want you in the apartment or the house, but they're behind a closed door. Occasionally, they'll throw you a bone by speaking to you and you want to just kind of be waiting. Yeah. Um, you know, not that your entire life right, revolves around them. That's not healthy either for either one of you, but it's just different. And you know what? For me, I I was very clear that this was my priority, yeah. that I had a very limited time with them, that it was really important. I do work an intense job. So that was also taking a lot of my time and energy. But but the rest of it, I really wanted to be for my girl. So now it was my time. Yeah. And so how did I want to date? Um, why did, how did I want to try to find that man that's a good, healthy man in every way in, in, a, in a crazy New York City dating environment, which is not easy in the digital age? Yeah, no, absolutely. So you took out this ad. So, yeah, so I have always advertised in, not always, but advertised in creative ways and most recently in the New York City taxis. And so kind of people around town have gotten used to me advertising as Annie gets it done. That's my tagline. Mm -hmm. And so as I was kind of filming one of my last ads, you know, I'm just, you know, Annie gets it done. You know, New York City can make anything happen. You know, if you can be successful here, you can be successful anywhere. And I was standing there and I thought, you know what? I've been able to get it done in every area of my life, but this is the one area that I haven't been. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that it would be kind of funny. People would be expecting that, okay, I come on the screen and I say the same thing and I advertise my properties, but what about me saying, hey, listen, any great men out there? So I filmed it. I filmed it actually about a year and a half ago. And I just didn't feel like it was the right time. And it it was partially because I knew the load that I had uh, facing with getting my kids into college and that whole process. And I thought, you know what, I, I just knew that it would take off and take on a life of its own. And I, I didn't I didn't really feel like it was the right time. So then I shot it again, probably two months ago, and I didn't put in my age. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting with it. And, and over the last year, I have started this group called Wise and Wonderful Women, And I'd been hearing, you know, monthly, I hold these dinners with different speakers, and most of the women are 45 years older, older. And I was hearing about that next chapter. I was hearing about kind of the loss of identity, you know, when your kids leave or, you know, when you don't need to be in a job anymore for your financial stability. But what do you want to do with with the next chapter of your life? Mm -hmm. I thought, you know what, I need to put my age in this ad. And everybody around me thought I was crazy to do that. You would have thought I was saying, listen, you know, Anne Cutbillanane, serial killer. Right. Um, but um, they said, you're nuts. And I also couldn't get any PR people to help me. And I knew that it was going to take off. So anyway, I refilmed it. I put in that I was 56 fit and fabulous. Yeah. And I put it in the can. And uh, just before I was going to release it, this is actually kind of an interesting uh Interesting kind of side note, I had a female salesperson that would help me with my ads uh, always, you know, my regular real estate ads. And she knew about this dating ad and thought it was terrific. And when I reshot it, putting in my age, I went to send it to her and she was all of a sudden gone. And now I had a male rep. They, I signed a contract with them, was ready to go the night before. They said, we're not running it. So what do you mean you're not running it? 
I said, well, it's personal's ad. <laughs> I said, personal's <laughs> ad? It's the same ad, basically, that I've been advertising with you for the last year and a half. It's a, it's a funny, lighthearted, making fun of New York City dating. Yeah. You know, come on, guys. Anyway, I switched to NBC taxis because in New York, there's ABC taxis and NBC taxis. Most Even New Yorkers don't know that. And NBC ran with it. And I put it into the taxis for a week. It was going to be seen by 700,000 people over the course of that week in New York City. But what ended up happening is it went viral. And so at this point in time, it's been seen by at least 12 million people around the world. Wow. And it has taken on a life of its own. I love it. You know what I love about this is the boldness, the courage, the willingness to like (laughs) put yourself out there, be lighthearted, not take yourself too seriously, yet... Also, you're standing in exactly where you are in your life, which is you're ready for your person, someone who's healthy in all ways, someone who you are a soul connection with. And that's awesome. Yeah, there's, you know, listen, I, the success of this ad, and I knew it was going to be this way. I knew it. You know, I, I want to just say to your listeners that I really think that we all have this voice inside of our heads that Mm. tells us if we really listen to it, what we should be doing. And you got to listen to it. I knew that this would resonate with women, especially. And I knew that that's, that was really the goal. It was like, I'm going to go for it. I don't know what's going to happen on the end of this. Mm-hmm. But if I don't go for it, then I've lost out. And I don't really have an end goal here. And everybody's like, well, you know, have you found the guy yet? I can tell you that I will find the man. I know I will because I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. But what has happened to me in the process is that I've gotten connected with an incredible support group of women that have just embraced me. They're stopping men on the street. They are talking about it at dinner parties. They're saying, I've got this great friend, this you know wild real estate broker. <laughs> I mean, and they've said, you know, you go girl. Like that was so courageous. But I think we have to look at this dialogue. Yes, of course, not everybody's going to advertise in New York City taxis. Yes, that's outrageous. But what they were saying was, it's outrageous for you to say that you're looking for love. Like in some way, that would be potentially a weakness that you say, hey, listen, I really want to meet somebody because you're acknowledging you're not with somebody. In some way, that is being less than. Yeah. The other thing is actually saying I was 56. I mean, it's like leper colony, right? Yeah. So it's like 56 anywhere else except for the United States. When you were older, you are embraced, you were revered, mm-hmm. you are respected, you are, you know, you're somebody to be looked up to. I think we have to change the dialogue here. And I think we have to start with women. Why are you, why are you hiding your age? I mean, don't hide it, embrace it because especially at this age. I mean, I I said in one of the articles that somebody wrote, I said, you know, any day above ground is a good day. And I say that because if you look at life, you know, life is short and we are so lucky to be alive and to be healthy. Right. Yeah. And life is good. (laughs) So you've got to just say, Hey, listen, this is awesome. And this is something I want in my life. And how am I going to take steps to make those changes happen? Yeah. And, and with age, I mean, I'm in my forties and I can only imagine, you know, my fifties and my sixties, because I feel so much wiser. I feel so much more grounded, so much more in my body, so much more connected to, you know, the depth of who I am than I was in my twenties and my thirties. And so I only imagine that that sort of wisdom and grace 
that is really inherent in our femininity really only blossoms even more and more and more as we age. Right. And I do believe that. And I think that women, we need every single day. That's not what we're being told. Yeah. We're not being told that in social media. And we're just not, we're just, we're just not being told that. Yeah. And so my goal in this was to just really empower women to just say, I'm going for it and I'm awesome. And, you know, 56 fit and fabulous. Now I'm 57, 57 and even more fabulous. Right. <laughs> um, I had a birthday. <clears throat> so, you know, because I, I do believe that you're absolutely right. You don't care anymore, really, yeah. what people are saying. It, it's just not doesn't own you as much. It doesn't run your head and your mind as much. And certainly there's things that you are letting go of your identity as maybe the younger body that you had, or, you know, you get some more wrinkles or, you know, you're no longer a full-time mother or, you know, just your relationship changes too, right? Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're in a relationship, it's not just about being single. So it, it's a time of change, but I think we all need to support each other as women to say, you know, wow, what do you want to do? What are your dreams? What are your goals? How can I help you? Yeah. You know, because I think by helping each other, it makes you feel better about yourself. I mean, I think there's not anybody that feels if they give back to somebody else that they don't feel even better than the person that you gave to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially with women. I think the more that we're able to come together and give to one another, as opposed to that sort of dynamic of cutting each other down. I mean, when we cut down another woman, we're really just cutting it ourselves. We are going to take a short break and we will be right back with more from Anne Cutbill-Lenane. When I decided to sell my jewelry after my divorce, the most important thing to me was finding a company that I could trust and one that would also advocate for me. I found this and so much more at Worthy. Their expert staff immediately put me at ease and helped me to get the best price possible for my jewelry. Your engagement ring can be a symbol of your freedom, your journey, and the choices you have made to live your life on your terms and create the future you desire. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. We're back with Anne Cutbill Linane, and we are chatting about dating and women and life and just just everything. So so happy to have you here. Let's keep going. So yeah, so it has been quite the journey, and um, you know, not only are women kind of running down the street, uh, but it also connected me with a lot of women that will enable me to really feel like I can grow this platform of, you know, women connecting. I mean, we, I do meetings now, kind of dinners that are free mm -hmm. um, in New York City that are, you know, every three to four weeks with different speakers. And the speakers are ranging from, find, you know, people talking about financial health or heart health or resilience. I mean, that's yeah. a really big topic. I mean, listen, at this age, we've all got, you know, the tread marks of something bad that's happened to us more than likely, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not just about, about relationships, but it's about heartache in some way, uh, or being knocked down. And so, 
you know, life lessons. I mean, we actually just had a at a at a meeting um, where we had a woman that's 58 that was in the top 60 finalists out of 5,000 applicants to be in the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Mm. And she went for it at 58 years old in the top 60. So she was talking about kind of agelessness. Yeah. But in that group, because it was right before a lot of kids kind of headed off to college, I had a lot of teenagers in the room. I just had them come in and I wasn't sure whether they could really relate. You know, we're a bunch of women that are not young that are talking about, you know, going for it at any age. I think it was even more important for them to hear it. Yeah. You know, it it was just, it's a timeless topic because it really is about your power and believing in that voice that we all hear. I know we all hear it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anybody's being honest to say that they don't have that voice inside of them. I think they just have to quiet the noise a little bit to yeah. be able to and have enough confidence to say, you know what? I don't care what everybody. I mean, how could not one PR person in the city of New York understand that this was not going to go crazy, this ad? Yeah. I mean, I thought, I know it, but that's kind of crazy. Now, I want to talk about another another thing that people have said to me. So kind of the feedback of the ad. Yeah. So this is something we got to change, girls. <laughs> ladies and ladies and gentlemen, we need to change this. So how many people said to me, okay, so what's the feedback then? And I'd said, you know, this is a social experiment. Two men out of thousands. Okay. This ad was seen by 12 million people worldwide, mm-hmm. at least. Okay. Out of that, how many of those men are single? How many of them then filtered down and actually were bold enough to write to me? Mm. So thousands, right? So thousands of those, but only two of them were in New York City. Two. Thousands. Most of them down south, Florida, kind of, I want to say, and I'm going to sound sexist here, but so be it, kind of the more manly states, you know, where, where, where men tend to be maybe kind of a little bit more of the asking a woman out. I don't know. I think in New York City, there's, there tends to be that I don't have to. Yeah. Dating in the age of you know the digital madness, it's efficient to date online. It really absolutely is and to meet people that way. And there are huge success stories. But the problem is that we've become a swipe left, a swipe right. Problem is also that the amount of constant input you know, I, I have found this numerous times and I know I'm not alone. I can't even take it personally. Somebody reaches out to me. They see my picture, let's say on match, reach out to me. They see my profile. Clearly they're interested. They mm-hmm. write to me. I write back. Hey, now, am I doing the whole dance of, am I writing too soon? Do I would let him wait? I mean, come on. Right. So, so anyway, so, but you, you know, you don't write back in a second, you know, three o'clock in the morning. You know, so, so you write back. You say, Nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Very, very basic. Cannot screw that up, right? Mm-hmm. Then I will almost within the second text say, hey, listen, you know, feel free to give me a call. Let's, you know, let, so we can figure out if we should meet. Yeah. I will tell you nine times out of 10, they will not call. Right? right. And that can't be personal. I haven't even spoken to them. But what I'm seeing is, and I'm, I know I'm not alone because I've, I've been speaking uh, to so many women about this. It's almost as though people, and I don't want to say men, I'm not man bashing at all, but it's almost like that 
the amount of followers you have, the amount of friends you have, the amount of people liking your post. This is like, how many people like me that will write me back, that will give me their phone numbers? They like me. Hey, they like me. But not the courage to, or even the incentive to actually speak to the person or actually get to the table to meet them. It's like stroking. Yeah, exactly. Is this just an ego stroke? Yeah, it's it's odd. Like, why are you on there in the first place? Um, but but so this is the conversation that we've had. So so okay, and you know, uh, you haven't heard from you know, again, relative to the amount of people that that it was seen by, you're intimidating. That's intimidating. You're too intimidating for men because you don't need them. Mm. Wow, are you really saying that to me? Like, are you really saying that if I don't need a man? financially or because I have a great, wonderful, full life, that that is a bad thing. But I know people have said it to me over and over and over again, and mostly women. Yeah. So we got to change that. Yeah. I can relate to that. I've had women say, you know, maybe you shouldn't exactly say what you do. You should probably like just, you know, just hold off on that because it probably intimidates, you know, anyone sitting across from you. And I'm like, huh. Well, I'm not sure I want to be in a relationship with anyone who's who, who doesn't, you know, embrace what I do with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, come on. I mean, and that you would be more attractive if you were needed. Now, I do get that. So, so let me let me switch back to this. Yes, I don't need a man. But I want a man. I think that that would be more attractive. I think that that would make maybe somebody feel more secure, right? Yeah. But that makes them insecure in many cases. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not kind of painting and saying that everybody is is in this whole. You know, this, this everybody's the same. But what I do understand and and is that I know for me that I I need to be needed. Like I want somebody to like that I'm able to do something nice for them, make a meal or think of something special for us to do, or just send them some stupid picture, like that they feel that I'm value added to them. Absolutely. Listen, I'm advertising in a taxi saying, Hey, listen, I'm wonderful. I'm looking for a great guy that lives with, you know, doesn't live with his mother, you know, loves her, but doesn't live with her. Right. So, so I'm not, I'm not exactly saying, you know, here's the list of 20 things that I want, but I think that I have to look at you know, am I giving the energy, the, am I giving them the idea that I do have time and space right. and energy and the desire for them to be in my life? Because it could look from the outside observer that I don't. Right, right. And are they needed? I mean, look, I think this whole conversation around need, you know, we do, we're human beings. We thrive on connection. We right. we need each other to be our best. There's a difference between need and neediness. And right. I think that a lot of times people get in that needy space. I need you to take care of me. I need you to fill my holes. I need you to do all this. But instead, if we come out of this as like, I am a whole person and I need another whole person so that we can just, gosh, create whatever epic love story we are going to create and put out whatever epic energy we're going to put into this world. That's a totally different thing. Yeah. But that's not what's happening with us. Yeah. Listen. I'm all about marketing. I am the queen of branding. Okay. Annie gets it done. 
So when I was on match for a while, I would put down that I was 49, you know, for the search engine, because yeah. I'm used to marketing my own apartments. It's all about the search engine. Right? Mm-hmm. I'd put down that I was 49 and then I would put in the copy, you know, I am really 54 or whatever it was. Right. So, you know, yes, you could do that. Yes, I could kind of. And, and again, everybody, you, you need to be creative in terms of meeting that person. But I think it's really important to put upfront in some way, shape or form, whether it's the search engine or whether you put it in the copy of if you're doing an online ad, you have to really, I think, put it out there because, you know, on match.com, it gives you the ability to see what the age ranges are for the man that is uh, what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So anybody that has in their search engine that they're open to meeting somebody from 30 or 35 to 55, you know, it's like, I, I wouldn't tend to reach out to them because to me, I'm not, I'm not 35. A 35 year old woman is wonderful. Don't get me wrong and powerful and wonderful and terrific, but that's just a different, it's a different point in your life. So if somebody is open to that, I probably wouldn't reach out to that person. I think I I hear what you're saying because I think that a 35 year old woman versus a 55 year old woman, like you're saying, is in a different place in their life. They're in a different mindset. They're at a different sort of space that they're sort of owning in the world and a man who's open to whatever maybe isn't really secure in owning the space that he's ready to hold in this world do you know what I mean it's like really knowing who you are and what would walk beside you that would align in a way that feels good for both of you right You know, it's interesting, a friend of mine, um, and he's still a friend after he said this, (laughs) because you have to, listen, if people are being really honest with each other, that's what you want. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like what he said, but I understood what he was saying. He, when he was uh, dating, he was in his forties and he ended up marrying somebody 20 years younger than he was. And I said, well, yeah, like, you know, really? And he said, I want somebody that's going to look good for a longer period of time. So that's interesting. I think we have to understand that in many ways, many men are much more visual. You know, that's a bigger part. I mean, and, and again, I, I love somebody and it's, I'm not saying if they put on you know 200 pounds that I'm not going to notice it. But, you know, I think for women, it's not maybe as much of a visual thing. Or it's not as much as a physical over and over again. You hear about women being more connected kind of emotionally. Mm. But that is part of, that's part of the piece. That's owning it. Like, listen, if you want to be with somebody that's 35, I'm not 35. So that's great. So let's all be really honest about what's important to us and no bashing. It is what it is. But that's why I think it's all really important about being honest. The other thing is too, what I think is the best use of social media is trying to connect help give information and most important transparency and honesty. So, you know, I am 57 at 55, I guess it was, I had a lower facelift, right? And I went and I put it on social media. Mm. I was on my way to the plastic surgeon. I showed what it looked like. I gave everybody updates. People came to me, of course, they didn't acknowledge it on Facebook, but so many people called me and said, you know, I'm thinking about doing something. And and I thought, you know what, this is great. There's no judgment. There's many people that don't want to, can't afford to, don't choose to, to do plastic surgery. For me, it made me feel great. But what made me feel even better 
was that so many people were able to use me as a resource and it gave them the courage to look into it. They could decide to do it or not. Again, there's no judgment here. It's what our own path is. But I just think we shouldn't airbrush our lives. You know, I mean, with social media right now, it's like, everybody's literally airbrushing their pictures. I, mm-hmm. I feel so badly for the younger girls, but it's also about our lives look so fantastic. I mean, when I walk out with one black boot and one blue boot, <laughs> you know, and I get to a meeting and I realize that I have two different shoes on, like I send that out because everybody can relate to that. Absolutely. You know, like, you know my pants rip. I mean, like, I, you know, I mean, like, a, you know, I go to a lunch and I just like drool something on my shirt. And yeah. Then, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. We need to share that stuff. You're give, yeah, but your courage and boldness in doing that is really just giving permission. For imperfection. Yes. And to right. just be who you are and own it and just be transparent. But I think it takes you doing it. Then, uh, you know, other people learning from you and just people doing that and giving each other permission to right. just be. Right. You know, that when we when we did this meeting on resilience and resilience comes in lots of different forms, we had somebody that had her husband drop dead in front of her and her two children. We had somebody else that crawled out of bankruptcy after making millions of dollars and then just crawled back. Uh, we had somebody who lost her mother in a horrible car accident at, the, you know, eight years old and then had epileptic uh, seizures after that, you know, but now she's a CEO of a huge company. So resilience comes in many different ways, but I think that we need to learn about people sharing about when they have felt at their lowest Mm -hmm. and how they didn't do things right and what they learned from that and what they learned from their mistakes, because there really are no mistakes. Those are life lessons. Um, And again, that sounds like so uh, kind of Pollyanna, but it's not, it really isn't. I mean, listen, there's things that I've done that, I mean, I wish that I hadn't because they were not my shining moments. (laughs) Right. But if I can learn from them, and be a better person or do something in a better way next time, then that's good. Yeah. And there's something about being able to hold your heart and feel the sadness, the disappointment, the desire to have, you know, acted in a different way. You know, if you hurt somebody to feel that hurt and to like really sit with that and, and not in a shameful way towards yourself, but just in a way that allows you to hold painful feelings. And like you said, then now you know better so you can do better. Right. Right. I think it's Maya Angelou who said that, you know, it's, right. and it's the ability to really, you know, feel into the mistakes we've made and the ways we've hurt or disappointed ourselves and others that we can do that. Right. Um, no, I, I think that that's absolutely the case. And, um, you know, <laughs> and I think, you know, I know when I got married, there were red flags that, they didn't feel good. You know, again, there, there's, there, what do they say? A top for every pot, right? Mm-hmm. So the things that might not make me feel good in a relationship aren't, wouldn't maybe bother somebody else at all. So it's always about the right fit in anything, whether it's in your workplace, whether it is with your love life. Yeah. But at 35, I kind of said, I'm being too sensitive. I mean, how many times have we had somebody yeah. say to us, you're being too sensitive, right? Yeah. So with 35, I was like, well, I'm being too sensitive to think that, you know, my boyfriend should want to pick me up at my house and wants to pick me up on the side of the West Side Highway. You know, I'm being way too sensitive. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I mean, it was almost as bad as that where I just was like, well, I'm just being too sensitive. So what I've realized, you know, uh, 20 years later 
is that how I'm feeling is legitimate. Mm-hmm. I've got to look at why I'm thinking that. And maybe, listen, maybe it's a trigger for me. I got to look at that. I got to own it. But but if I'm feeling that way, there's probably a very good reason for me feeling that way. Yeah. And that's just enough. Yeah. And, and listen, don't we say that to our, 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 our teenage girls? Like yes. when we say, if you're in a situation and you're feeling uncomfortable, you should get yourself out of that situation. I say that to my son. Right. So, you you know, trust thy gut. So I think in relationships, we have to look at that too. Are we feeling that somebody has our back? Are we feeling that we have support and love? And are we feeling uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, um, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. And yeah. so that's the good thing. So, so again, that, that goes to being a whole person. Absolutely. You know, and and it and it's harder. It's harder to date when you're older because you can say you're set in your ways. Well, set in your ways because you know yourself. Yeah. Right. And hopefully you are setting certain criteria for deal breakers. You know, and again, it's not like must have all his teeth. Right. You know, like, right. You know, like you're not being ridiculous, but um, you know, it is. Hey, do you drink too much? You know, are you? nice to cab drivers, right? Especially because cab drivers are now very near and dear to my heart. Um, but, but, you know, there's certain things that I realize, like, you know, small things, do you litter? I mean, I saw, I was, I saw some guy like, like through his cup. I'm like, seriously? Right. Who does that? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> so. There are certain standards. And then there's also like the deeper core values. Like, you know, there are core parts of ourselves that need to align. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be having the same trajectory at all, right? you know, and those might be one or two things, but they're at the core of who you are. And I think we are more connected to those as we age. Right. And I think that anybody that has been married, I know going into my marriage, it was, I thought that getting married was going to alleviate those differences. It was going to bring us together. And I have found, and I no, again, I'm not alone. I'm not saying this is for everybody. But usually what happens with marriage is that if you are not aligned, it gets worse. Mm-hmm. It actually exasperates those differences in many, many cases. And by then adding children into the mixed little ones, especially yeah. the amount of stress and pressure that that brings. I mean, I think I had this deluded feeling that somehow we were going to get married and then everything was going to be fine and he was going to be more relaxed and then we were going to have children and then we were just going to be holding hands, bringing that baby back from the hospital and all would be good. And uh, I think you have to be really really solid. Mm -hmm. And again, we know what those issues are. Trust the gut. Yeah. It's just that we discount them. We discount them. We do not say, you know what, this just does not work for me. And feeling the strength that if it doesn't work for you, that that's enough. Absolutely. Yep. It's funny. I just actually wrote about this today that when we don't trust ourselves, we're actually abandoning ourselves. Exactly. And so ladies, it's time to stop abandoning ourselves. So we have to wrap up. I can't even believe how quickly this time went. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess like the last question is like for anyone who's listening and is out there dating and, you know, putting themselves out there from everything you've experienced and the way that you've boldly stood for who you are, you know, what advice do you have? Like what's the pearls of wisdom? Yeah. 
I would say you definitely should do online dating, get good pictures taken, get feedback maybe from a friend that's done it themselves. If you need help, I, I happen to have found you know, a couple of wonderful men actually through Match um, that are good friends of mine. But for other people, it's different. Um, but I also, you know what? It takes guts, but you got to put it out there with your friends because as crazy as it sounds, even in real estate, it's like I will hear somebody say, oh, you know, I just listed it. I just listed my apartment with, you know, somebody that sent me a card in the mail because out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, what do you mean, you know, I'm a real estate broker or what do you mean, you know, I'm single, right? Because yeah. people don't think about connecting. First of all, that's why, you know, my group, Wise and Wonderful Women, every single time, I have women when they attend these meetings, and they're usually from 50 to 100 women, I have them send in kind of a mini bio, like five to 10 things that are cool about their lives. And I make sure to put it together before we get to the meeting. So when they walk into that meeting, they know who has a commonality, who might be able to help who. And then I reiterate it again when you're leaving, connect, connect, connect. Yeah. I have people put in there whether they're single or not. And actually, I'm going to do an event where every one of the women that's single needs to bring a single guy. Oh, I it's love almost that. like, you know, when you do a consignment shop, right? Not good for me, might be good for you. Yeah, now I <laughs> so love that. Because the person is sort of vetted. And we're able, so it's really just putting it out there and owning it. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with not being in a relationship because it just means that you haven't settled. I mean, how many people do we know that are in relationships that kind of suck? Like yeah. I would far rather be looking for somebody and be hopeful than sitting there in the mire of a bad relationship because that's the loneliest place to be, mm -hmm. which is being in a relationship that is unfulfilling and not supportive. And, you know, I want to be hopeful. So that's what I would say. Change your mindset. Be creative. Go for it. I love it. Thank you so much. You I are mean, so welcome. I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> all right, all right. How can how can our listeners follow up with you? How do you want them to connect? If you want to reach out to wise and wonderful women, we're a closed Facebook page. Instagram, if you want to follow my trials and tribulations of my unmatching shoes, that's Anne Cutbill-Lenane. Uh, and the same thing for Facebook. That's my personal uh, personal uh, page. And and I'll definitely keep you posted. I'm going to be in the, uh, the taxis again. I'm going to be running ads like once a month, just kind of talking about women's empowerment and what uh, changes that people can think about making as they're riding around in New York City taxis. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care, guys. Take care, Ruby community. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you, so email us at podcastworthy.com with any questions or ideas that you may have. We look forward to hearing from you.